Howdy, partner, and welcome to Tom Hanks Giving, the only meathead chauvinist provincial Tom Hanks podcast. I'm your host, Elvis, and today my special guest is... Samantha! How's it going, Samantha? It's going really well. Fantastic. And what did we watch today? We watched The Money Pit. The Money Pit, 1986, uh, Tom Hanks, Shelley Long of Cheers fame, directed by Richard Benjamin, uh, executive produced by Steven Spielberg. I wonder if that name will be important to Tom Hanks in the future. Uh, <laughs> so, big, huge gag movie, kind of a, a, a sort of comedy classic for Tom Hanks, but you, you didn't, you had no idea what this movie was. I had was. never heard of it maybe, until you called me about this. Okay, maybe I, um, perhaps I'm mis, misapplying its classic status, but I feel like this is a movie that, uh, everyone knows about. Maybe they haven't seen it, but I guess not. So if you haven't seen it, this is a, this is a, what, what would you describe this movie as? It's, it's obviously a comedy. Um, it's like a horror comedy, though. It's like a haunted house movie with no ghosts, just Tom Hanks. That, the whole thing, to, to condense the beat by beat, like what happens in the movie is Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, they're a couple, they're not married, but they're getting closer. He's trying to get, he's trying to get married, but she's very, she's very Diane Chambers about like, why do we need a piece of paper? But part of that, too, is that um, she's recently divorced, like, within the last year. Yes, which is, again, very Diane Chambers. Oh, yeah. She only longs as a career of being kind of married to a lot of dudes. <laughs> and uh, this movie is no exception. So, there... In fact, the movie begins with... Actually, well, let me do this real quick. I love to do... Um, I, I always love to notice the first shot and the last shot in a movie and see what it says. And the movie begins with a very bizarre opening shot where it's a, it's, we have a subtitle of Rio de Janeiro and we're seeing Rio de Janeiro from the perspective behind the giant Jesus Christ statue and there's fireworks. And uh, so just that shot alone, what does that tell you about the movie? It's going to take place in Rio. <laughs> it really doesn't, no. Uh, if I'm going to pull out some symbolism... Jesus is watching over fireworks. What does this... It's going to be a weird movie. That's the only thing I can really tell what it's going to be about. And it is. It's, so it conveys that. We'll get to the last shot in a minute here. But uh, So yeah, we start in Rio de Janeiro. We have Tom Hanks' father, who looks like cheap Burt Reynolds, I guess, uh, who's married to his new mom, who's this... He looks like Norm MacDonald's Burt Reynolds yes. in Jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, he's married to his new uh, wife, who is younger than Shelley Long, I'm assuming, in the movie. Um, but yeah, when we so when we catch up with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, their characters are Anna is her name, and his name is Walter, Walter Fielding. Uh, Walter and Anna, they're staying at her ex-husband, uh, his her ex-husband's apartment in New York, and then he shows back up and is like, oh, we gotta move, we gotta find a place. So then the rest of the movie focuses on them purchasing this enormous, the, the mansion from Jumanji, and... It is, is it the same mansion? Because it looks like it. It looks exactly like it. I was thinking like that it. the whole time. I don't know if it is. The, bo and both times, it's, if it is the same one, it's gotten a lot of damage done to this place. Uh, but they, they buy the mansion from Jumanji, and it instantly becomes the worst investment of their lives, and they spend, like half a year trying to get this thing fixed and then sell it again, I guess, is their main goal. 
or they were originally going to keep it, but then they were going to sell it, and there's relationship drama, and the whole thing is kind of just like an excuse for baby's day out type gags, like big three, uh, three stooges, like slapstick, but then it just throws in this very bizarre drama sex situations that, well, I personally found fascinating. It's a, yeah, it's a love triangle. It is definitely a love triangle, but not in your conventional sense where it's like, ooh, who do I want them to be with? It's like a, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like Twilight meets Monster House meets um, Baby's Day Out. That's perfect. That's going in the, in the description. That's, it was practice for Steven Spielberg. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about, um, what was your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie is when the staircase gave out. <laughs> yes. It's like maybe 20, maybe 30 minutes into the movie, we have like the greatest series of gags. We already have this note where there's uh, like the door, it keeps falling down and everything. But we have this great, perfectly bit of timing where Tom Hanks goes to close the door and the door frame and the door just fall down. <laughs> Shelley Long pulls up a dumbwaiter, and there's a raccoon in it. <laughs> Genuine surprise. She freaks out, and the raccoon that jumps on her and attacks her looks way better than, like, any of the recent comedies where someone's being mauled by animals. It looks better than the baby in American Sniper. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that escalates to Tom Hanks is running up to help her, and then the entire staircase, like a video game platform, just crumbles behind him. And... Then he he's holding onto the ledge, and it's and it's this great physical gag. And then she comes out and steps on his hands, and as soon as she lets go, he falls to the ground. And I thought he should have gotten impaled because if the movie ended there, perfect movie. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, the sad thing is, like that's the comedy highlight, and and that's we the end have of the first like act. an hour left to yeah. go because you the the biggest problem with this movie is that it mostly hits one note. And that's the entire thing it's doing for the... Like, you can only see the house get destroyed without it... Like, it, it escalates, sort of. The chain reaction gags just keep getting longer. And more cartoony. Like, yeah. you said it was just total Looney Tunes when the, the yeah. turkey flies out of the oven and then into a bucket <laughs> across in the next wing of the mansion. And then there's the final, like, the mousetrap Rube Goldberg oh accident of doom at the end. Which I kept thinking, like, I, I've seen this movie, the first, last time I saw this movie was a long time ago, but I couldn't remember if the entire house collapsed with that giant, because it, it felt like it was building to that. Yeah, I thought things were going to light on fire, because she's got all those cords. There's a moment yeah. where she has a bunch of cords, that she and she's trying to plug in her electric kettle, and sparks are flying, and <laughs> she stops the table saw, and all this crazy stuff, and... Yeah, but no, the house is fine though. That's the, the yeah, weird part. that's the thing. Like, it, it does it feel kind of like betraying the the promise of the movie? The house they end the movie with the house intact. Like, I almost feel like this is a like you said it was a horror movie without ghosts. This seems like the house from Poltergeist. Like, I kind of want to be like there's a crater oh, by the end of the movie. Absolutely, just they talk about the strong foundation, and that's all they're left with is like a tarp over a really great foundation. <laughs> which which well, I mean we'll we'll. we'll Save that comment because we've okay. got to talk about what the movie is about okay. and how that is very much what it's about um, in that a moment here. Well, that and Nazis. <laughs> but let, let's talk, talking about it like as what the movie is intended uh, to present itself as this kind of big slapstick, mm -hmm. ridiculous comedy. Does it work on that merit? I mean, 
the slapstick, I guess, set pieces work really well. Because that, I mean, that, like, you can't, I feel like you can't fault the movie for doing another, like, the, once it gets to the Rube Goldbergian thing, it's like, you can't fault the movie because this is what this movie does. This That's, is what this kind of movie is. Well, we don't really make them anymore. Uh, I don't think. And, and I think that's where it shined, honestly. Because yeah. it was, everyone was having such a good time. And like when Tom Hanks was trapped in the carpet and stuck yeah. in the floor, <laughs> he gets trapped. A rug starts sinking through a hole in the second floor. And so he's trapped like in a bag with his hands up by his chest, just like, there by the pressure of his own body. Yeah, like he, he he's the perfect shaped peg for that hole so he's stuck there it's hilarious and there's actual action happening around him things happen while he's stuck in this position and it's hilarious and i think it's those moments and like the staircase and when they're talking <laughs> at each other through holes in the floor that the movie really works which, which is i mean to its credit because again this is what the movie's purpose is that's yeah. the kind of movie it is so it's great that it succeeds like that and yeah like even like their moments like the floor one especially where it's frustrating to watch it's like you're so dumb and like you could do this and but but he it, like, fell so slowly into that <laughs> it was hole. like quicksand and put your arms out <laughs> but but i think what also like speaks to why these moments work so well not because like it's I mean, th uh, thoughtfully, the movie's designed around them. It's essentially a set-piece movie, but a comedy set-piece movie. Which, again, you don't see anymore, really. I don't think so. Yeah, the set-pieces are comedy, but what happens in between them is absolutely not a comedy. Which is why it's this movie's fascinating. But, but, ju but just focusing on the comedy, yeah. like, again, and the last thing I have to say about that is, like, for me personally, I can only watch so many, like, crazy Looney Tunes slapstick without, like, some bigger thing going on uh, within the story and the characters. And there's sort of that. We'll talk about that in just a second. But, like, it again, it hits the... Once you've done the raccoon staircase falling, like, that's the funniest it's going to get. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of keeps hitting the same note. But to the movies, again, to the, or the filmmaker's credit, like, the timing of all of these slapstick moments, like, when he finally does fall through the hole, <laughs> like, the timing is spot on. Like, expert com comedic timing with all of these sets, like... And like the the collapses, the falls, the Pratt falls, everything is, and and like another one I'm just remembering now is the scene where they're the long shot where they're getting ready for bed and there's a storm outside, yeah. and then the light turns off and it's like they've had some kind of funny exchanges throughout the whole thing, but it's mostly like let's get the plot out of the way, and then they wait just the right amount of time for you to realize that the rain is just pouring in. It's not just a leak; it is like torrential. Yes. <laughs> it's it's it, the movie's very good where with the details of the comedic timing and the the set pieces yeah. I would have to say. So I, I would say I would argue it definitely succeeds in that respect as a comedy what it's trying to do. Yes. But there's this other half of the movie. Yes. That is so weird. How would you describe the other the other side of this movie? It's trying to be a relationship drama. Which, which it, it, it is. It's this weird relationship drama that's not really suited for comedy. Not at Although all. it has some really funny moments. I don't know if they're intentional. I think they're all accidental. It's, it's all, like, if you, if I described the plot of the non-comedy moments, it would sound like a Sundance movie. Right. Like, a so, recently uh, divorced woman and her new fiance or the, the man that wants to become her fiance have to struggle as they build their new home together 
her ex comes back. Like, that is a Sundance That's movie. insane. And just having you describe that and me describe the slapstick version of this movie. I don't know, but that was the thing. Once, like, I early on I was kind of done and I had had my my share of this slapstick stuff. So what I really grappled onto, even though it doesn't, I don't know if it works. It never works. But the relationship drama toward the end is so fascinating that I can't stop watching the movie. Yeah, it's just, it's as inconsistent as the sight gags are consistently the same. Yes. That's how scattershot the drama plot is. Yes. Um, because there was that one scene where their motivations, you said it. Yeah, their motivations. In five minutes. Yeah, because she, she comes in, They I think it's when they first buy the house. Mm -hmm. He's all about the house and she's not at all, doesn't, she wants to get rid of it. She thinks it's a bad idea. Five minutes later... Then when they're going to bed and I think the chimney falls, caves in on itself, they have the exact same opinion, the, the opposite opinions. And she's like, we, no, this house is perfect. I love this house. We're going to make it work. And he's already like, nah, this is dumb. We should get rid of it. And there's the motivation flipping in this movie, at least until the end when it stops being about the house so much. It's, it gives you whiplash. And I think they try to make that metaphor of a house is good if it's got a strong foundation at yeah. the end. But they, I mean, I guess because their relationship is as wacky and unmotivated as the construction on this house, it works, but not on purpose. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's thematically appropriate, but I don't know if it, it's functional in like a realistic sense at all. No. Let's talk, let's talk about uh, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long as a couple. Yes. How do you how do you buy do you buy them as a couple before getting to the implications of the ending, like when we first meet them, the chemistry? Why, how do you feel about? Oh, them? I love them together. They're fantastic. They were great. They had so much chemistry. They're adorable. <laughs> I I really liked them. No, they're really I, I I like again. I haven't seen this movie in a while, but um, I'm a big Cheers fan, uh, and obviously Shelley Long is fantastic in that. But I didn't remember her as fondly in this movie that she seems to be. Like, I was worried, like, oh, this is going to be, like, not as good as Diane. And, I mean, I don't know if it is, because the best of Diane is pretty amazing. But this, yeah, they, they're, like, like, she brings it. And it's not like, oh, this is, this is the watered-down version of her crazy heightened relationship hijinks. Right, I believe the thing that I liked about it, and I don't always get this from Tom Hanks movies, is it felt like you could see the not PG version of their relationship existing outside yes, of the realm yeah, of the movie. Yes, yeah, and actually, that was something... Does that make sense? That makes There's sense. a sexual chemistry there, in addition to just, like, a flirtatious chemistry. Yes, and that, that was something I was thinking, I was realizing after um, putting the last three podcasts out, is outside of a very intentionally uncomfortable, but still not on camera scene in Big... You don't really get, at least, and, and this will change, obviously, once we see more movies in this podcast, but you don't see a lot of sex scenes from Tom Hanks. And we don't really get a full-on sex scene, but we get really close here with a lot of the stuff, and I kind there's of buy There's some butt them. groping. There's butt groping? There's, there's some butt groping. A lot real, of it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, like, we get to see Tom Hanks as a sexual creature, and you know what? It works for me. Now I get it. I get it, Rita Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, like, that's, I think that's what I really like about this is, is I, even though she is totally, she's very Diane and that she's very proper and she likes, she's kind of pretentious, she, she has this pompacity, she's a musician, she's talented, she's artistic. A classical musician yes, in an orchestra. Yes. Uh, and she comes from this 
divorce with a super egotistical uh, but artistic and cultural kind of guy, um, the maestro. Max? But, but I, Max, yes. But I buy him, or I buy her as finding something she really likes in Tom Hanks. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's the easiest thing in the world. Tom Hanks is just one of the greatest guys, so obviously. But I buy her as a, she's vested in this relationship more than just, she likes this guy because he's a nice guy. Yeah. There's stuff that he's bringing to the table, and there's definitely stuff that she's bringing to them. She's just as charming. Like, good gosh. Shelley Long. She's adorable. She's adorable. Like, wow. I, I'm all about her. And, like, this, this, do you think this couple, let's, let's compare it to, you've seen, you've seen Big, you've seen Clad Atlas, you've seen Castaway. How does Shelley Long and Tom Hanks stack up against Elizabeth Perkins from Big? The woman who he works with and then has sex with despite the fact that he's actually 13. <laughs> and then she finds out and it's really weird. That one's weird. I mean, that's a weird That's a weird one, but it's, it's like purposely weird. Yeah, but there's, it's still, like, it still makes sense because if, if, like, I'm a 13-year-old boy, of course I'd be super stoked about this. Oh, yeah, you're going to go for it. Yeah. Even if you're totally not ready for yeah. it. Yeah. Um... But the chemistry on, on on that movie, it's it certainly pales to the chemistry I see in this movie. Oh, absolutely, and I think I mean part I mean, of that, that again that makes purposely sense. Purposely awkward, yeah. but yeah. So that's a harder one to draw comparison yeah, yeah. with. Let's do something. I mean, Castaway, no contest. Obviously, this is better because Castaway, better. like, I don't. Wilson had more chemistry with him. <laughs> I didn't think Helen Hunt did a bad job, but she's barely in the movie, so That's it's like... That's the thing. She's barely there, and when she is, like, Helen Hunt's kind of like Tom Hanks, where, like, I don't know, you just don't think of her as sexy. Oh. I know that's mean, but, like, because she's so, like, cool, you know? No, no, she's yeah, very... yeah, that, that was, and that's something I remarked in the in the episode we did on Castaways, like, when you see the two of them together for the first time, it's like, oh, these feel like real people. They don't feel like movie stars glossied yeah. up to have a relationship. No, yeah. I, I can see them... 40, you know, like 30 years down the line at their kid's graduation. Yeah. You and know. sure, but... they, every now and again, they, they spark their little romance in the bedroom. But, you know, it's 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 more... Obligatory? Yeah. <laughs> and not that they don't both enjoy it, but it's it's, it's mechanical to the yeah. relationship. Uh, and then lastly, Cloud Atlas. And obviously, that movie is just, just a weird mess. But Halle Berry and Tom Hanks? Uh... It worked better than I expected. I guess it that's was, true. But it was still just strange. It was this. Is, I and I love that movie. And you, I thought oh, maybe I should have you on that. I on the love last that movie. We'll have an addendum or something at the end here. Well, Sam will talk about uh, Cloud Atlas for a minute. But uh, back to Money Pit. Um, yeah. So this, this is a great couple. I just want to take one other moment. We haven't done this episode obviously yet, or this movie yet for an episode of the podcast. But the big couple you think of when you think of Tom Hanks movies is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. But which Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie? That's true. They're very different. They're all really different. Let's not get into You've Got Mail, because that'll be a, a fun thing to dive into later. I feel like Sleepless in Seattle is regarded as the most romantic, or the, at least the but classic. But Joe versus the Volcano is the cutest. Is it? I don't know. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I, I have very fond <laughs> memories of that movie. I don't. But I know. No. So Tom Hanks in Sleepless in Seattle with Meg Ryan. Yes. Um, which has a, another weird implications to the romance there. Well, because the kids set it up. And I think that's the thing that I liked about this is it was just like These are Tom really Hanks. Yeah, you know? this is really believable. I mean, this is just like you. The more accurate comparison would be You've Got Mail. In terms of like chemistry and sort of that 
Because there's that underlying anger that makes it so. That's he's so true. Good at that. He's so. Oh, that the, like, she's good at it too. Because that, that's. I mean, that was the joy of watching like Woody even mm -hmm. in Toy Stories. He's got that underlying he's sort so of like pissed manic, off about stuff. Like, yes. that manic anger in his voice that that just works so well, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and it works. It works in a relationship too because it's like, oh, you're driving me crazy, but I want to tear your clothes off. I don't know. Which which great, and then that works perfect with Shell and Long because like that's what. Cheers was all about That's when she was exactly. on. Like they hated each other. They wanted to punch each other. The best part of Cheers is when they're in locked and yelling and shouting at each other, and they he's she slaps him, and then he slaps her, and then they kiss. And yeah. it's like I love that they're both able to bring this passion, and I think it makes this is one of the best couples I've I can think of in a Tom Hanks movie. Absolutely. This might be the best part, this might be the best contribution this movie has to the Tom Hanks library, is this on-screen couple. I love watching them together. Even when the movie is kind of weak sauce around yeah, them. Yeah, I want to see. I'd like to see them in a better movie. That yeah, I mean. Can you imagine her and you've got mail? Oh my god, the movie would have been so much also, better. Also, Greg Kinnear would have made so much more sense. Ooh, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> we're, we're, don't worry, listeners. We're gonna get to you've got mails in the future. Uh, I love seeing them two together. And yeah, oh, you were saying about how Tom Hanks is great. Like, he has this underlying anger to him. And I think that's the brilliant thing about at least early here, uh, career Tom Hanks, because he's kind of ventured more into the dramatic roles where he doesn't do this as much. Um, but you see it in Woody still. Yeah. So you still see it in stuff. But he is like the quintessential nicest guy. He's warm. He's, he's an everyman. And you love that about him. But I think what gives him his compelling edge is that He's, he can get really pissed off. And it's usually a funny pissed off. But like he's, his, his anger is there. And like uh, what I think what I want to do is a new tribute to um, or a new as I want to do as a new segment in this podcast is what's the hanksiest line in the movie? And I think this is very much obviously you whore! <laughs> he even does the woody arm. Yes, he does the woody arm. You whore! Oh my gosh, when he said that, I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, let's... So we've talked about them as a couple and how they're great. They have great chemistry. They're great on screen. Let's talk about them as, like, legitimately the problems they have as a real couple. And the ending of the movie. Oh, yeah. Shit's messed up. It's so can I say weird. Shit? Is that... You can. Okay. Anyway, now go on. Their problems, though, it started out being kind of believable because money is a difficult thing in a relationship. Absolutely. And I think her insecurities about a previous relationship are valid. She's she's coming out. She's very vulnerable. He seems to be gung ho. Like let's let's get together. Let's make this. He wants to be committed. And he apparently has a troubled relationship with his dad that's yes. led to his money problems. They never get into that. That's it's so perfunctory to the movie and I should do this before we we get into anything else uh, the last shot of the movie is just a shot of a new house in Rio de Janeiro and we're left to believe that Tom Hanks's father and his new wife are going to go through the exact same thing because the same Nazi this, wife we haven't gotten to the Nazi but right. we haven't explained the Nazis yet but the same lady that sold them the house sold, in, sold, sold Tom Hanks house. the house is selling his father the house down in Rio yeah, so it, you're left to believe, like, ah, it's gonna happen again. And the so the final shot is more just a gag. It doesn't say anything significant about their relationship or what the movie's about. But going back to what the movie is about and this complicated relationship yes. between these two, 
So you have two people with very real world problems and that kind of makes the slapstick in the house work at first because the frustration is mounting, the tension is mounting, mm -hmm. and all this weird stuff keeps happening. And it's, it's like a perfect uh, expression of that, that pent-up rage and yeah. resentment. And she has to borrow money from her ex. Well, she has to sell stuff that she won in the divorce to her ex. Mm -hmm. He has to borrow money from the people that he acts as a lawyer for. Including... Which seems wildly unethical. I'm sure that's a conflict of interest. Oh, yeah. But and... it's, it's Tom Hanks, and he won't like you if you don't give him money. He does. He says that to a child. A bad child. Oh, a very bad child. Who makes his mother go around in a French maid uniform cleaning up his that's cigarettes. That's edible. That is totally edible. But we know from the he end of the movie... He probably killed his father with that man with the gun that he had. <gasps> Ooh. Let's That's talk... the movie I want to see. <laughs> we'll talk about father figures later on podcast. Okay. That was a fun thing on Big, because that was really important there. Um, but yeah, actually, no, the father is so inconsequential to this movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. What... You could have the whole movie without it. Yeah, it that you so could important. cut that prologue and it would be better for it. Like, And th that's the thing. Like, they even... When the, the prologue happens... It like we we do kind of get introduced to Tom Hanks' character because they have this weird point the of cutaways. view close up cutaway shots where it's like from a, it only happens with two characters or three if you count because it's from Tom Hanks and Shelley Long and then it's from his uh, real estate uh, real estate agent guy. yeah uh, and it's like a, a their point of view looking down at a brochure or like photographs or or a letter and it's like this is a weird choice and it like disappears after the first act. But they kept doing it, and it was like, this, this isn't wrong, it's just interesting. I, I had noticed it. Um, I'm fairly certain it's because the lawyer died halfway through production. Or that, real estate agent, whatever he was. That's possible. He did have over seven heart attacks during the movie. Uh, at least the character did, at least. Yes. Uh, but yes, you could have entirely, like, the, then the movie cuts there, and then it shows opening credits over New York, and we come to the scene where, again, very sexy, where... We see all of the clothes scattered about in the bedroom, and then it's like, oh, they're in pajamas. I thought it was going to be of a little sexy. Of course they're in it's pajamas, because like, no, it's, it's a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, it can't be that sexy. Um, Has he ever been shirtless on camera? No, I'm just kidding. I saw Castaway. He was shirtless in this movie, too, if you don't remember. Oh, he was! The, the sexiest Tom Hanks movie uh, that I can recall is Turner and Hooch. And that Ugh. is a sexy movie. He spends the whole opening five minutes in his underwear working out. But you can't get away from that. I've clearly blocked this out of my mind because I know I've seen Turner and Hooch, but I remember none of this. You will have to watch it again and uh, be entranced by Tom Hanks's physique. All right. Because it is heavily featured all right. before he talks to a dog. Uh, I've had sorry, we, we keep we keep we keep uh, jumping jumping uh, around here, but we're moving ahead to much talk like about, the tone of this movie. Much like the tone of this movie. <laughs> Uh, it's a little scattered about, but the point is you could have cut the entire prologue and started there yes. because, and then, and then we get into the real relationship problems, yes. the, the money issues, the, the vulnerability she's feeling from being divorced. He's kind of screwed up in that. I think he wants to have this relationship. So he has something solid in his life. Yes. Uh, that's how I read him. And yes, then he's being completely unethical as she's, He's borrowing money. Yeah. She's borrowing money, or essentially borrowing money, even though she's selling old stuff that she got in the divorce, from her ex-husband, Max. And the, Tom Hanks, every time this comes up, feel like makes some weird prostitution joke. That also happens with the contractors, though. Yes, it does. He wants to prostitute Shelley Long for money because he knows she's super hot. <clears throat> um, 
And so that happened. That doesn't happen. No. But then she, at the end of the movie, after a four-month cutaway, and things are looking good, right? The house looks good. It's, oh. it's coming along. <laughs> what is it with Tom Hanks movies and cutaways and subtitles that then clarify four months later? Or four weeks. Yeah, no, four, four months, months later. It was like a substantial jump in time. And... And everything seems to be going really well. They have like running water and stairs and they're a little tense, but it's, mm -hmm. it's coming to an there's, end. There's progress. Certainly not as much as there should have been. Yeah. But there's progress. And so Shelley Long goes to work and she decides to take up smoking again, even though things are going better. She's stressed. And then she tries to, and then she goes and gets dinner, right? With her ex-boo. And, uh... And then well, this happens, this is the scene that directly follows, like, this sequence directly follows the Rube Goldberg disaster. Yes, yeah. So it Which makes sense. still, nothing happens but some scaffolding falls yeah, down. Yeah, scaffolding so is this, really... This the... huge letdown of a Rube Goldberg. Yeah, thing. it should have been a, a big Nothing's bad. collapsed. They're just kind of mad at each other. And she goes and has, has dinner with her ex and then spends the night at his house, but she doesn't remember anything that happened. It's very uncomfortable when you're watching this scene. Keep in mind, we never see her drinking on screen. Yes. I just finished watching all of Arrested Development, so all I could think of was the forget me now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it very much reads like that. Yeah. So that's what it felt like. That's how random it was. Like, Joe Bluth just snuck in and pilled her. Yeah, because when she wakes up and remembers, like, nothing, you get that uncomfortable, like, I know this is... Because right before this, she was like, we're not sleeping together. And he goes, I might not ask. Yeah. And it's like... It has this creepy, rapey tone to it. Oh my god. Plus this dude looks like Vigo the Carpathian, so you know <laughs> he just likes sticking his wiener where it doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's bad. Like, so you just assume, like, they boned, but it probably wasn't consensual. But in because of the time uh, this movie was made, it's like they wouldn't have made that direct anyway. Yeah. And, like, nobody would have thought of that when writing the movie. Yeah. But it's totally, like, creepily there. So it has this weird air. Like, as far as we know, they slept together, and there's this uncomfortable tension, like, did he drug her or something? Because yeah. he remembers none Completely of unaddressed. Yeah, and which is just left dangling there. And it's like, hello, Shelley Long, like, you don't remember it. Maybe tell that part to yeah. Tom Hanks. So she goes home and tells Tom Hanks. No, no, she, no doesn't, she doesn't. Which is like the most prolonged, oh my god, oh my god. sequence. It's very uncomfortable because because Tom Hanks is like, because of all these prostitution remarks he's made, he's kind of been like the jerk of the relationship. But yes. then she goes home after actually sleeping with this guy and continues to lie directly to his face. But weirdly, he also comes off as the bad guy in the scene because he's the one that keeps asking. Yeah. So he looks super jealous and paranoid, even though clearly he has every... Well, no, he doesn't have every reason to be because she was date-raped. Assume... That's true. <laughs> if we assume that she wasn't date-raped and it was consensual... It, it's such a weird... It's very complicated but yeah, they, in 2015. They, it, it certainly is. Because the scene plays him as the bad guy, even though I think the movie isn't saying it's date rape. I think the movie's saying she had sex with him. Yeah. Consensually. So the movie is taking her side, even though she cheated on him. Yeah. And, and yet, the, the again, the movie's playing him as the bad guy, and then she continues... And, like, the whole time, we're just sitting there like, yeah. this isn't funny anymore. I mean, it's funny because it's... Like, this is so weird. It's going on for so long, it's funny in the way Family Guy is funny, where you're laughing because you're uncomfortable. Yes. And it just, it keeps going, because it's, it's the whole dinner-ish sequence, and then it cuts to them in bed, and he's still harping on about it, and then she's like, believe me, I tell you, 
no, or like, I absolutely would never do that. And if I did, I would tell you. And he's continuing, and then he starts to soften up because he's like, if you told me, I would be okay with it. I just want to know that you would That's feel where he the delivers trust. the line about the uh, macho chauvinist pro pro provincial. Yes, yes. Right? Is that? The, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. It's um, meathead chauvinist provincial. Yeah. I'm not uh, a meathead chauvinist provincial. And she's like, me, 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 me. Yeah, yeah. And they have this, like, I, I, I'm a feminist almost. That's almost what it sounds yeah. like. You could tell me. Like, like feminists are totally cool with cheating. Yes. Which is never okay. No. Oh, God. As a feminist, I can say <laughs> this. Um, That's why she's on this episode then, of the podcast. Really? No. Okay. Um, but then they fall asleep and then she wakes him up again and she's like, no way, I totally did bone this guy. And I gotta say, his, his performance in this sequence when she's telling him and he's still half asleep his and he's, face. his face is like so, you totally buy he's like asleep, it's hilarious. I think this is my favorite part of his performance in the yes. entire movie is she's confessing she had sex with Max and he's like half asleep. Like, uh, and then the other half is like accepting and loving about it, but yeah. you just see this tiny little boiling thing that's building. The lights go off, and then they come back on again, and it is... You whore! You bastard! <laughs> they just come to this, these blows, these verbal blows. Uh, and again, the hanksiest line, and it, like, again, it's so... It doesn't work because the movie's not about this, but it's so funny because their chemistry is so good. Yeah. Like, it's the funniest parts of the movie for me, like the unintentionally funny, I guess that they are kind of intentionally funny, is when they're really mean to each other. Yeah. It just feels so bad laughing about it because it has, it's not organic to the rest of what's going on. Yeah. It's so certainly it's not so what the movie's jarring. about. Yeah. It's not about these two people like really hate loving each other yeah but like that's what i really want to see from these two actors mm -hmm. but because that is what they're so good at and like that's what's most entertaining to watch does it make sense that they end up together like do you believe the statement that the the obvious cheesy metaphor that the movie makes is like with a good foundation everything else can be fixed 100 percent. you believe that oh 100 percent. okay i think i think like for me at least like Personally, one of the most important things in a relationship is being able to argue well, and mm -hmm. they do. They like, argue well and entertainingly. Yes, because even though he calls her these names and stuff, that's not what she takes personally. She takes personally the fact that he didn't trust her. Right. So they're not, it's, I don't know, it's it's really interesting. It's, it's weirdly honest and like true to life. I appreciate that. It The dialogue at the end is cheesy. So that's why it feels awkward, I think, that they still end up together. And the fact that they went, like, three more weeks without speaking to each other while living yeah. in the same house. Yeah, it's, it's more like that, not that they ended up, because they do have the chemistry. And I think, I think you're right, that it's very honest. And I think what saves the movie is, again, it's these two actors, because he's saying all these terrible things to her, but she says she's his total equal the whole yeah, time. Yeah, she's firing right back. They're Just... never, they're never... Uh, on unequal ground. Mm -mm. Um, they're, they're a match for each other, which is why I think they are a perfect match. Yeah, even when they're pissed, there's a mutual respect yes. there. Yes. And it's it's kind of, it is really fun to watch. I would love to see these two in another movie together. Yeah. And I'm it, still kind of bummed that this did not happen with You've Got Mail. This, they, that would be been sore about it casting. for a minute. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, they're fantastic together when they're, when they're at each other's throats. And uh, yeah, I guess I do believe, I guess it's all about the strong foundation because you can go through some shit with anybody, but like... If it's a person you really care about and you have this 
foundation, I they guess can you do can... the stupidest things and say the stupidest things, and as long as you feel free to say it right back, mm -hmm. you're cool. That's that's important. It's it's a great relationship on screen, and I still think that. Clearly, I, would say... I have a healthy, kind relationships <laughs> in my life. Uh, I don't know. What, what appeals to me about relationships is certainly the entertaining arguments myself. So maybe I don't have the Come best perspective either. <laughs> um, no, but I buy him. I think the the wedding is. I think what ruins the or not, I don't want to say ruins the movie, but like what hurts the movie is again they should have lasted, but the house should have been destroyed. I think that would have been the concession the movie should have made. Because they have a strong foundation. I don't think the house does. I don't think the house works as a metaphor for their relationship. Really? I... No, I, I mean, I get what it is. And, like, that's totally what the what the movie is. But I think it would have been more... Like, I think it would have been more interesting had the house fallen, but they stayed together. I think... Or maybe... maybe... I think the house was too perfect. Because it was so beautiful. But yeah. I think it would have been funny if it still had some, like, quirky, weird stuff in it. Maybe. Because I think that's... That's where it's going, you know, like, this, there's no way this house is ever going to be perfect, but there's a way that it could be livable. That's true. Maybe that's what it's reading, because it, it, it comes across as, like, perfect and beautiful, which is not what their relationship is ever going no. to be, because it's not realistic. I think if they had tried coming through the door and the knob fell that off... That would have been great. That would have been perfect, because the house is still, again, it's functional, and this is all stuff they can fix, but... Oh God, we're always gonna be dealing with this. Yeah, like the door should have come down or something. That that would have actually fixed pretty much my problems because I think what I'm dealing with is not the metaphor relationship actually, but the divide between that side of the movie and the other side being like this house disaster movie, this big yeah. slapstick. Because the promise of the house disaster thing is like the house just I want to see that crater like yes. at the end of Poltergeist, uh, even though that's horror and supernatural like i feel like this is still the same thing where like i want to see nothing like when the rube goldberg moment happens there should have like everything should have fallen down and it's like all right we it's truly a money pit we can't get out of it yeah uh but that also would have been pretty hopeless no no it's true but because of what they they sunk the, or what they paired the metaphor with yeah it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked but i think yeah you're 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 that's exactly what should have happened. Like, have the door fall off, or even just the doorknob. So it's that would have been uh, perfect, and that's what why this movie is not perfect. Yeah. But just like most relationships. Yes. How could it be perfect? Exactly. If this Tom Hanks movie was an ice cream flavor, what would it be? Ooh. Um. What is the money pit? What is the money pit? Hold on, let me think about this. Um. Hmm. What's an incongruous ice cream? Maybe like bacon ice cream, like those bacon sundaes you can get. Mm. Because it it doesn't make sense, but it still kind of works. Yeah, because you like the bacon, you like the ice cream. Together, they don't work very well, but you can stomach it down and enjoy it. Yeah, it's a novelty. Yeah. I don't need to have it more than once. I, which is exactly how I feel about the money pit, actually. Oh, exactly. There but we go. The only thing that the only thing that I would want to do more than once is Tom Hanks and Shelley Long well, together. Yes. Yeah. But that we're talking about the movie specifically. Yeah. yeah. And there's still, I mean, there's elements of a bacon Sunday that you're always gonna enjoy. Mm -hmm. But. And it's it's that. The whole package together yes. is not something I want to deal with. But of those course. two, they're the ice cream. I would come back to that. I would definitely come back to the ice cream. Every time. I love ice cream. Me too. 
Uh, what have we learned with with the money pit? How do you feel? I is this going to change your life? How is this movie? I now feel cheated, and you've got mail. <laughs> oh no. I, I do. I want to see those two in a movie again together. So that's good. I would love that. There's still time. So I would say, again, greatest takeaway from this movie, Shelley Long and Tom Hanks. Fantastic. My, uh, currently, my new favorite Tom Hanks couple of, of, of the run. That might change when we go look into some other movies, but right now, they're my, they're my OTP. You? I just like hooch. Hooch? Well, okay. We have someone running for the money. With, with Turner and Hooch. Um, this is fantastic. Thank you for so much. That's the money pit, everybody. Thanks for Thanks for coming me. on, Sam. Uh, do you want to play anything? B-List Dude of the Week? I mean, I guess, yeah. If you're, if you're bored at work on Tuesday, go to B-ListDudeOfTheWeek.com. You won't find Tom Hanks on there because he's squarely A-List. He sure is. But maybe we should do Maybe Colin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or maybe we should do a, a Tom Hanks giving special where it's like all the B-List dudes from Tom Hanks movies. That would be fun. That would be great. You, dear listener, if you want to get in touch and tell us what you loved or what you hated about the Money Pit, contact us on Twitter at TomHanksPod or send us an email at uh, TomHanksPod at gmail.com. Of course, subscribe on iTunes if you're not already. Give us a rating. Leave us a comment. Tell your friends. We're trying to get this show off, off the ground here. And uh, thank you so much. That is it for this week. Next week, we're talking punchline. Oh, the Nazis. Oh, we should definitely talk about... We keep teasing this. The so... Nazis. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the Nazis. They go to get to... They go to buy the house from this little old lady who's actually the lady from Cocoon. Yes. She's in a rush to sell it. And they're trying to figure out... They assume that her her, uh, her husband has died or left her. Mm-hmm. And they say that they're so sorry, but what's happened is they lived in Paraguay for 10 years. His name is Carlos, and... Um, he's about to be deported because he was Hitler's pool boy. Right, because the, cause the Israeli... The Israeli, uh, def- the IDF is after yes, or something. Yes. Yeah. But clearly it all worked out for everybody because they wound up, she and Carlos wound up down in Rio selling end, another yes. crummy house. Which to... is very intense German accent. I don't know. I thought for a minute they were going to find some Nazi gold and that was going to solve all their problems. <laughs> That would have been great, that would have been but that good doesn't too. feel like a very Steven Spielberg thing to do. No, which interesting that Steven Spielberg was a uh, right because like on the this. Nazi got away in a the Steven Spielberg movie, and he kind of gets the upper hand both times. Like, sure, they they made the Money Pit house work, uh, the Jumanji house. They got they they were able to keep it and they made it nice, but they he still put him through hell, and it's gonna happen again with the father. So yeah. what does that say? I Is, mean, it gives Tom Hanks a lot of motivation in saving Private Ryan. It Tom Hanks, we fell in love with you, Tom Hanks, just like so many do deeply, because you made us smile, and you're great on screen style, so that's why we give thanks, cause you've got a friend.